and be advised that the very hot weather warning is currently in force. And that was the news from RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Backchat. I'm Jim Gould and your guest presenter today is Paul Zimmerman. Good morning, Paul. Morning, Jim. On today's programme, we're talking about the Kaitak Sports Park, which is currently under construction, and its potential for staging large-scale concerts. The multi-billion dollar project is due to open by the end of next year and will include a 50,000-seat stadium, a 10,000-seat indoor sports centre and a 5,000-seat public sports ground. And while the venue will primarily be used to host sporting events, including the Rugby Sevens, its high capacity and state-of-the-art features could well appeal to concert organisers uh, and artists, uh, with a number of performers uh, having skipped the city because of, apparently because of the uh, lack of suitable venues. So will the Kaitak Sports Park boost Hong Kong's ability to become a regional concert hub? How about transportation and what about possible noise? Uh, you can let us know what you think. You can leave a message here on our Facebook page. You can email us uh, at backchat at rthk.hk. You can call us on 233-88266. Um, also, I should tell you that uh, after 9.45 this morning, uh, we'll be talking to the top winner of uh, the Asia's 50 Best Bar Awards, uh, that uh, top winner being uh, here in Hong Kong. Uh, but for our main topic today, uh, we welcome on the line Ivan Ho, who's a registered architect and chairman of the Hong Kong Task Force of the Harbourfront Commission and a member of the Kaitak Task Force. And we'll be joined uh, by other guests uh, uh, a little later. Um, so, Ivan Ho, good morning to you. Good morning, Jim. So uh, this is a, a, a tremendously exciting project, uh, a very uh, major project. Uh, uh, as we say, it's primarily for sporting events, uh, but we also want to think about uh, its capacity to host uh, major concerts. Uh, uh, of course, it has the it's going to have a retracting uh, roof, which uh, which obviously will make a big difference. So, um, is, is this the answer? Do you think uh, to Hong Kong's need for a large scale uh, concert venue? Uh, I think, of course, there will be a, a good choice um, for the organizer, for all the concert uh, concert organizer in the future. But, uh, you know, with such a big venue, I, I would say not a big, it actually is a mega venue, you know, to organize some major event like having um, audience of uh, 50,000 is not an easy thing. You know, taking the example of the Hong Kong Philharmonic, you know, it takes so many years for the Philharmonic to develop to, you know, up to date become a very uh, renowned uh, international Philharmonic and also very sophisticated. But it's not happened in, you know, one day. So uh, we we actually have to, you know, prepare ourselves that uh, we need some time to get, you know, really a well-organizing concert for this mega venue. But in any circumstances, as far as I understand, the whole design of the main stadium as well as the indoor sports center will actually, you know, allow for such flexibility for, you know, activity or event other than the sports. So for the main stadium, the retractable roof actually is a very key feature. Uh, which is very expensive, 
And but without it, I think um, you know all the problem we have in the in the Hong Kong stadium in the island side will be mm. repeated again. So, um, but also for the indoor sports center, you know, for the ten thousand uh, sitting capacity with five hundred uh, five thousand uh, five hundred size venue, which also you know allow in their design with some retractable seating. It means. The whole venue can be, you know, easily modified, become a venue that is very flexible, and you know, can also hold for other events, including some uh, concert. So, um, I think, uh, you know, uh, after the end of it, uh, next year, when we have this spot uh, park ready, uh, we do have a much more, I mean, a number of more options or choice that enable Hong Kong to hold some major event uh, or major concert. So, so to fill up the stadium, we're really going to uh, appeal not just to the Hong Kong audience, but to also to uh, the people living in Shenzhen and uh, the Guangdong province. I mean, we saw that in the uh, the big concerts uh, at the uh, at the airport uh, uh, that uh, we had a lot of people coming in from across the boundary. So, are we? Uh, we go, what is the competition regionally for uh, for this venue? I think one of the drawbacks of this venue to hold music or you know concert is we don't have much hotel nearby or the room available. We only allow a 300 room key hotel next to the um, the main stadium, which actually been heated debate right Paul uh, when they presented to the Harborfront Commission because. 300 room key doesn't help, you know, either for the sports event or for the concert or, um, you know, people go to attend a concert probably will stay one or two nights, you know, in the city. So for us then now we have totally rely on the MTR, uh, which, you know, they at the current uh, design, they are actually also, you know, based on the assumption that more than 80% of the, all the audience in the main stadium for whatever event will take or will use the MTR, you know, uh, as the access or, you know, to leave the venue. So um, it has to be tested, you know, whether such a huge, you know, population of people all, you know, dismissed in the same time or assembly in the same time, um, will the system be able to cater for that? Mm. So I think this is something quite, you know, not quite satisfactory. You know. I'll have to learn. There'll be two, two MTR stations, uh, Kai Tak Station and Sung Wong Toy. Uh, should be within about uh, 10 minutes, about 10 minutes walking distance. Um, yes, but they are on the same line. Mm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. they are making the assumption that you know you take the one going to the other side and then you lead, uh, you approaching the the other one going to the the opposite direction. Uh, of course, for local people, yes, because we are very familiar with our MTR system. But for tourists, uh, I'm not quite sure. Mm-hmm. I think we have also uh, uh, Chris B here, uh, of the the founder of the Underground Hong Kong Music Festival. Um, is Chris here? Yes, I am uh, here. Oh, good. Yes. Yeah, good, good, good morning, Chris. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, yeah, sorry, Paul. Yeah, did you want to did you want to talk to Chris first? Well, no, I just uh, I know that Chris is is here. And Chris, uh, how excited are you about uh, the venue? Oh, I'm very excited. 
You know, I mean, I find it interesting, all the comments just now um, about the sort of the logistics of moving people in and out. And I'm like, surely that's, that's the same beat regardless if it's a sport, sporting event or an entertainment event. Um, however, yeah, and um, hotels, uh, yeah, hotel rooms, I hear that. However, I'm very excited because I think all these potential problems are solvable, right? Mm. Do, do you think yes, it'll... Yes, I think more or less yeah. we'll solve it. You know, so Hong Kong is very Private. dynamic. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but mm. we need to try, yeah. It, it will it will come out at the time, yeah. So over time, it will become clear whether the uh, whether it's going to work. Two stations, but only one MTR line, and we need audience from across the boundary, not just from Hong Kong, to fill the seats. Is mm-hmm. that that's really the challenge we're facing? Uh, okay, uh, uh, Chris, um, let me ask you this. Uh, so, do you think this new stadium is is it going to sort of help to put Hong Kong on the map, if you like? I mean, you know, we've seen that, you know, Taylor Swift is not coming here. She's doing a number of concerts in Singapore, but n- not coming to Hong Kong. <laughs> and as other sort of international artists, uh, uh, we're going to miss out on Coldplay, Harry Styles, by the look of it, as well. So, so um, what's the potential for this new venue to uh, to solve that issue for Hong Kong? A huge potential. I think we we do miss out on the big acts, and um, and not just you know not just from international, but probably uh, you know like within China, there's big acts that people would come all over from Asia to come and watch. So, you know, if Hong Kong, you know, wants to maintain its title of you know, Asia's world city, does it still have that title? Am mm. I am I dated? <laughs> uh, I, th- um, I, th- I think it's still there. Yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. So it it needs it, it needs to have international and sort of big regional acts playing here as well for mm. sure. And yeah, I'm mm. very excited. Mm. Yeah, mm. myself. On the sports side, uh, uh, Ivan, what do you see as a uh, as a future for the uh, for the site? You, you mean the indoor sports center? Well, they did. Yeah, this whole complex to become really the hub for sports in Hong Kong, uh, training, ah. learning. So, I mean, this this one thing is the big events, but one thing is you got these you got these facilities twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. So, um, it, I, I'm sure that this got to be used for the local sports facility into grow sports. Uh, I I actually quite optimistic um, because uh, one thing that I, I believe the government. Uh, doing right or correct is, uh, you know, this mega event space is not run by the government department. <laughs> they 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 tender it <laughs> out and allow the private sector to run it in a much more effective and uh, flexible approach. So, um, but uh, you know, because it is really a new uh, uh, a new new suggestion or new proposal solution for us. We. You know, uh, holding event like sports or concert, uh, we need a lot of associated support and facility, you know, apart from the hotel room accommodation for our tourists. We also need some, you know, um, F&B venue nearby. You know, uh, they have allowed some uh, event village uh, outside this uh, main stadium. They also allow some uh, F&B in the dining cove. But uh, Paul, you, you remember we have been fighting too so hard for the other side of the dining cove to make sure that you know uh, FMB uh, provision will be provided, you mm-hmm. know, according to the original planning uh, intent. So uh, I think 
you know, the whole planning of this area, we have to be very careful that, you know, all the associating, associated or supporting facility have to be, you know, adequately provided in order that we can or will be able to hold this kind of mega event, whether it is sports or whether it is a concert. Yeah, the problem with these uh, large stadia in other parts of the world is that they've moved them out of the big cities and put them outside the cities and people just can drive mm-hmm. there, enjoy yeah. the sport event and then leave and then there's nothing else around them. This, this, this facility sits right in the middle of the city in a, in a beautiful location at the harbour. Um, so it's important for this to become a hub uh, for events and entertainment and people to go out for a drink and, 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 a, and a beer and, a, uh, and some food. So do you see this happening? I mean, it's, it's are we ready for this? <laughs> Are we ready? I think <laughs> we. I think we don't have choice. We have. I mean, how far have to to move forward? We've been left behind. Uh, in particular, after the COVID, uh, you know, mm. Singapore has been heading us, uh, you know, quite a bit in the past few years. You know, including the the organizing all this, uh, you know, major concert and all the other major events. So uh, we have to move ahead. We have to start, you know, mobilize our resources and, and you know, coordinate all our uh, bureaucratic department that to enable we become, you know, to to be able to, you know, get that all this uh, audience from other venue which, you know, we have been closed ourselves too long. Mm. I, I think the, the design of the sports park is so that uh, um, people will be able to and encouraged to, to use it uh, on a sort of day-to-day basis because obviously there won't be major sporting events or concerts going on there all the time. There'll be days when, uh, quite a lot of time probably, when that's not happening. But uh, it's it, it sort of be able to sort of you know appeal to the public with its pedestrian walkways and, like, say, restaurants and that kind of thing. Uh, um, do, do you think it's going to, like, be, you know, a major attraction for the local population? I, I think so, because as I mentioned earlier, you know, the, the, the right thing that the government did is tender it out and operate. This is actually a design, a designed build and operate contract. So uh, the operator is given a, a fixed term to operate and they, I mean, I'm sure they will, you know, using every possible opportunity to make sure the revenue generated is good enough for them to recover the investment or making their profit. So that will be very flexible. And also, you know, uh, all the time between the major event, actually, we can be, you know, uh, arranging with other activities such as what we mentioned, you know, allowing the Hong Kong people to, to, you know, engage and use the space for other purpose or other other activity so i I believe you know with such a setup um for sure the organizer or the management will be you know making the space or the making the venue you know being utilized in the most effective way Hmm. So, Chris, the uh, the event, uh, the whole space there includes a shopping mall with uh, potential for lots of bars and restaurants. There is space for bars and restaurants on the waterfront included in the design of the stadium itself. I mean, do you okay. see that this could become a hub for uh, for for music in Hong Kong? That if these, some of these spaces are being used for music bars and so on. It could be. It could be. It's very very positive that it's. Um 
being perhaps run by people who have a better, better, <laughs> better understanding of entertainment and procedures and stuff like that to make it easier for, you know, entertainment to first be available. Um, yeah. And how's, the, how's it going with the music in Hong Kong? Are we, is the music coming back? I mean, we had a. Oh, a, a yeah. I mean, how, how, how is this growing? How is the, the whole music scene increasing uh, audience? Uh, I think I think it's it's great. Like once everything uh, everything was lifted, um, was it March, February, March this year? It seems mm. seems like a lifetime ago. It does. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, and people people really believed it was because you know we've all been you know like it was lift, you know lifted, restricted, lifted, restricted. So this time we're like, no, 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 definitely even. You know, even China's doing it. Okay, so <laughs> then we're okay. So people were, you know, they went from gingerly to diving in to let's do stuff and, um, you know, let's put on events, let's entertain, let's, let's, let's get music on. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely, but obviously we've lost venues and lost musicians, you know, either, you know, they've left Hong Kong or the businesses have closed. Um, however, we're hopeful, right? <laughs> it is. It is a place where people come in and out, and um, yeah, I think um, the community is 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 you know repairing itself and getting stronger. Yeah, yeah you're right. you're obviously uh, you know very closely involved with the local music scene. Um, if the availability of this fifty thousand uh, seater stadium is able to like uh, put Hong Kong back on the international map, if you like, and you know attract uh, big international uh, stars. I mean, uh, you know, apart from being great for their own fans, I mean, w w what is that likely to mean for the development of the local music scene? Oh, it's great because, um, yeah, because the local artists um, get to see what um, the international artists are doing, and and yeah, it feeds into it feeds into the enthusiasm. Like people, you know, when they go to a great show, they they don't wait, you know, another six months before they go to it. They they tend to look and explore their local, you know, scene and discover that there are great bands and musicians here in Hong Kong. So I think it will it will just rejuvenate people's passion for live music and going to events and having an experience. Yeah, definitely on that level. So, so Chris, are there uh, uh, funded, funds available from government uh, to support the music industry to uh, kind of recover? Or is there, are there some uh, initiatives on the government side? I mean, we've seen events taking place on the waterfront. We see various events, uh, Happy Hong Kong, Welcome Hong Kong, Hello Hong Kong <laughs> events. I mean, we see money being spent and then enthusiasm on the government to get restarted. But do we see that also flowing into the music industry? Um. I hope so. I, there, I, I know um, the uh, a, you know Art Development Council has funding available. Or, you know, you can apply for grants if you have a more unique project, and if you're, you know, yes, they they have some. And I do believe there are some other grants floating around. Um, um, whether they're being tapped or and not being approved, I don't know. But I think I think there is stuff out there. Hmm. Okay. Um, um, yeah. Ivan Ho, uh, you mentioned... It's just, I just yeah. want to say, it's just that most so. musicians are not admin, administrative friendly. Mm. So. <laughs> so you're, the application processes are difficult it's for the team, isn't artistic. it? Yeah, <laughs> it's difficult for yeah. them, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, just, just bear that in mind. Uh, uh, yeah. uh, 
Okay, okay. Just uh, just going back to the uh, the design of the facilities, uh, um, um, Ivanhoe, you mentioned uh, earlier uh, the the stadium on Hong Kong side, uh, which was not able to uh, host um, large scale concerts uh, because of the noise factor, because of uh, ob objections from people uh, living around the area who would have uh, uh, been disturbed by the concerts. Um, of course, um, you know the new stadium is going to have a retractable roof, so. Will that, uh, will, um, you know, I mean, will that sort of um, negate the possibility of that same problem arising at Kaitak? I think so, because yeah. actually yeah. when this project was the table for discussion to the uh, Harborfront Commission, we've been keep on asking the same question because we know, you know, because we, we've been in, in the building industry, we know this retractable roof is very expensive. So whenever any project uh, facing budget problem, the first thing is to cut the most expensive item. <laughs> <laughs> so in the meeting, we particularly pointed out that the retractable roof will not be allowed to, you know, sort of uh, take away because that will ensure this venue will be able to use for other purposes uh, such as the concert or, or the, uh, for music. So without affecting the residence uh, or the residential area nearby, and this is very important. Um, we also, you know, seeing it important to create the um, the space around, you know, with some live music. Uh, you know, that's why in the planning we we quite insist to to establish a, a area we call the dining cove. You know, in the original intent, this area is supposed to have uh, F&B as well as some live music. But uh, unfortunately, because we are facing quite serious housing shortage problem, so we are now uh, having some dedicated rehousing estate uh, next to this dining cove uh, run uh, managed by the housing society, as well as we also have some uh, rehousing um project by the ULA at uh, next to the house housing society project uh, you know which actually from the other half of the dining cove so uh, noise you know uh, from the music actually is one of the major concerns we consider uh, you know affecting the the residential area mm. that's why in all the the harborfront area we've been facing in the past is you know for example, we've been able to mix uh, the concert recently at the Causeway Bay, the Sport and Recreation uh, Prison. It's because it's quite far away from the residential building. And then we also receive a lot of other complaints from other open spaces along the harborfront because it's too close to the residential block. So it's, this is something that we have to take seriously. Uh, serious consideration in early planning. Yeah, so how do we do that? I mean, uh, are we going to make sure that these buildings have uh, double glazing? Are we going to make sure that uh, there is, uh, in, the, in, the, in the design of these um, uh, uh, residential properties around the area there, uh, are we cater for the fact that there will be music downstairs, that there will be a party scene downstairs? Uh, I think, Paul, I, I mean, actually one of the, the, the easier thing is um, make sure, because actually we're lucky, these two, they are not, uh, you know, putting into the market for auction to the, to the private development. Uh, one is run, uh, managed by the Housing Society, the other by ULA. Uh, hopefully they will make it clear in their DMC that, you know, there is um, uh, 
uh, bar downstairs. And be, yeah, <laughs> downstairs. And, you know, and alert all this um, future potential residents that, you know, if you take this unit, you have to, you know, you, you know that there will be, you know, this kind of uh, 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 nuisances, we'll call, you know, to some of them, you know. Because the same we've seen happening in, in Maan Shan. In Maan Shan, we have these bars and restaurants in the, in the, at, the, uh, at the waterfront. And, yes, uh, that's and right. pe- people were all we fully aware. This, right? mm-hmm. So, you know, if people know that and accept it, no problem. But every time, you know, the problem is they, they said, oh, when I live in here, it's very quiet. And now you have all this uh, F&B and music, live music downstairs, making a lot of noise, blah, blah, blah. And, and you know. We, we can't be sort of compromised and take a strike a balance. Okay, it's a choice that people have when they yeah. when they decide to live in the area. Mm. Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, we've got to take a, a short break now for a news summary and uh, a couple of announcements. Uh, so thanks very much to uh, Ivan Ho, uh, registered architect and chairman of the uh, Hong Kong Task Force of the Harbour Front Commission, and a member of the uh, Kai Tak Task Force. And thank you very much uh, to Chris B, founder of the Underground uh, Hong Kong Music Festival, and uh, best of luck with the local music scene. And um, let's take a quick look at the weather. It's going to be uh, mainly fine and very hot. Uh, Top temperature around 34 degrees in the city, a couple of degrees higher in the new territories. Uh, The outlook uh, persistently very hot, mainly fine apart from isolated showers in the next few days. The weather will become unsettled midweek next week. It's currently 30 degrees, humidity 78%. The very hot weather warning is in effect. Now let's have a a new summary from Stu Pryke. A member of a mainland-based think tank says that Xi Jinping's meeting with Henry Kissinger is about sending a message to Washington to stop pressuring China without offering anything in return. Ina Tangan of the Tahir Institute said the 100-year-old former US Secretary of State is much respected as an elder statesman on the mainland. But the U.S. State Department questioned why a private citizen had better access to the Beijing leadership compared to current U.S. officials. A public health expert says authorities should investigate anyone selling cheap cigarettes to crack down on illicit smuggling of tobacco into the city. Dr Daniel Ho from the University of Hong Kong said importers reportedly mixed illicit cartons uh, with legitimate ones and said the government could implement a minimum pricing policy on tobacco and label cartons which have had their duty paid. Around 420,000 foreign domestic helpers, other imported workers and non-local students with Hong Kong identity cards can use e-channel booths at border control from today. I'll have more news at 10. Drainage repairs can be costly. The Building Drainage System Repair Subsidy Scheme run by the Government and the Urban Renewal Authority offers financial assistance of up to 80% of total drainage repair costs to owners of eligible buildings. The buildings must be aged 40 or above, with or without statutory orders related to common drains. Call 3188-1188 for details. I smoked for over 30 years. Ten years ago, my doctor said I had chronic obstructive pulmonary disease with just one-third of lung function left. Now I have to use oxygen all the time to help me breathe. I am easily exhausted. We used to travel. Now I have to carry portable oxygen when I go out. 
I wish I had quit earlier. Quit now. Call 1833183. You're listening to Backchat. Call us on 2338866 and have your say. And welcome back to Back Chat uh, with Paul Zimmerman and me, Jim Gould. And uh, this morning in our main topic, we're talking about the Kaitak Sports Park and its potential for hosting uh, large-scale uh, concerts by uh, international stars and the like. And we're joined now uh, by another guest. We have on the line uh, Robert Rogers, who's a certified special events uh, professional, uh, principal of uh, events man and a lecturer at Hong Kong U Space uh, Robert Rogers, good morning to you. Yeah, good morning. Thanks very much for joining us. Uh, mm. um, so how do you envisage uh, this stadium being used uh, once it's completed? <laughs> well, uh, hopefully it will be used uh, a lot more than the, uh, than the current than stadium the, we yeah, have. Yeah, uh, you yeah. know, I remember going to, uh, going to the John Michael Jarre show and it was uh, for the opening of the Hong Kong Stadium and it was, it was all very exciting, you know. We had... Uh, and I think Michael Jackson was coming as well, didn't they? Didn't they have like a, a one glove thing that the, they were talking the, about? There was there? there was a suggestion <laughs> that the audience would have to wear gloves for the Michael Jackson concert. Kind of yeah. fits the image yeah. of Michael Jackson to have a glove, but it wasn't yeah, good for uh, the atmosphere. Absolutely. Hopefully, hopefully the roof will will fix all of those problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it'd be, I mean, it'd be very interesting to see how this you know, works in Hong Kong. I, I think a lot of people don't really understand that the, the events industry is, is a super sub-industry. So, so it's made up of a lot of different small and medium-sized companies that all come together to kind of create these mega events. Um, you know, you don't have like one particular, you know, like, so for instance, for, for the stadium, they may have some basic lighting, they may have some basic uh, sound equipment stuff, but when a, a big international artist comes in, they, ha- they have very specific requirements. So, for instance, you know, you'll have to have uh, big LED backdrops, you'll have to have uh, special lighting, special sound equipment and such. And a lot of that stuff currently just isn't available in Hong Kong. So, so we had, um, we had a, a big artist come through that we were working, working with for a, for a private event. And, you know, we had to get, uh, had to send down to Singapore. To, to get some of the equipment in. How about Shenzhen? Um, Is it, uh, was, it, was it available across the boundary? Uh, some possibly, to be honest. I, I kind of handed over to my, to my tech uh-huh. department and say, sort it out, guys. Uh, but but uh, I know that, like, uh, for instance, CT, who's, um, they, have a, they have an office here, um, uh, Creative Technologies. So they do, they do a lot of, you know, like the, the Olympics opening and stuff like that. Um, they have a bunch of equipment, but I think it's all based down in, in Singapore. Uh, a lot of it they do have up north, so Shanghai, Beijing area. Um, but yeah, as far as Shenzhen, I, I you know I, I don't know. I haven't heard of it being being available. Maybe as the Greater Bay Area opens up, there'll be you know new companies that will come into the market. Right, and money will be spent on on building up a stock of equipment in the area if there's enough events taking place. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, once you know once there's a demand, then you know hopefully you know companies will come in to fill that growth. Um, you know, currently currently though there's. There isn't any demand, and so, like Ivan was saying, I think when uh, when he first started talking, was he was saying that you know the this sort of thing it doesn't just happen overnight. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to be like Kitex going to open and suddenly Madonna is going to be coming into play. Um, you know, it'll probably take a while before those tours will start coming in. 
Mm. Um, I, I do know that, uh, uh, I ha- or I have noticed rather, that, um, uh, uh, you know, oh, what's her name? Um, they bought Lushington Productions. Uh, anyway, a large, um, large touring company um, has, you know, recently been making some big pushes in this area. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they just bought Cock and Flap, uh, and then they've got um, got some other other big events coming in. They started to do venues, so you know, they um, there there is some large touring companies that that are coming in. So yeah, hope, hopefully. Hopefully it'll be uh, it'll be good for Hong Kong. Do you see you know, a, a need for it, like something like a Harbour Fest? Uh, you know, the post SARS um, investment by government where they put some money down and try to uh, yeah speed speed things up. You know what? I I, I loved Harbour Fest. It was one of the greatest greatest things in the world. I, I think if you talk to a few people though, they they um, <clears throat> there there was there was obviously some controversy around it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, I I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. You had you know some of the greatest artists in the world all all coming in all in a very short time. Um, it was I thought it was great for Hong Kong uh, personally. Um, obviously, you do need to balance the 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 local desires and and the you know the mainland desire that. The audiences, as well as the in terms of programming, you mean in terms yeah. of the artists you invite? Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean something like that would be fabulous. I'd, I'd love to see it. I'd go. I'd go. Um, yeah. But it was a good. It would be a good way to test the uh, the system and test well, the new yeah. uh, stages. Yeah, sure, it would be. The um, uh, yeah, and like like Chris was saying, the uh, you know it'd be quite inspirational to get uh, to get those big artists to to, to come to Hong Kong. Um, you know, both for the local local market as well as you know for advertising for the overseas markets to to be able to you know start to bring those tourists back. Do you think the the size and the design of the stadium is going to make it appealing to international artists? Uh, from what I understand, so uh, at the Business of Sport Network uh, meeting, it was like 2018. Darren, uh, one of the guys from uh, from Kaitak was there, and he was he was showing the plans at that time. Um, and yeah, I mean, it it looks amazing. And to be able to open up, I think they have the thing where I don't know if they've kept it, but they have this big wall that you can open the out the wall, and then you have the view of the harbor behind it, as well as the retractable ceiling. Um, yeah, they've got all the fancy, all the bells and whistles. It looks looks very fancy. So, um, is the stadium already um, uh, inviting people on tour? So, the Harbourfront Commission, uh, uh, yeah, we kind of we and some other groups uh, have been taken around to the site. Uh, mm-hmm. We've given some uh, some views of what's what's being constructed. So, uh, but but is the music industry in, in already being taken around so that they can get familiar with what the capacity is, what the opportunities are? So, so uh, for myself, I, I mostly work with uh, corporates uh, and kind of high-end mm. luxury, smaller, uh, smaller events. I, as a as a lecturer at Hong Kong U, and I, I have worked on larger festivals and I have worked on on larger events and such. But um, uh, my my personal business is more more focused in, in smaller stuff. So I wasn't invited along if they if they did do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do know that from from some of my corporate clients. Uh, so, for instance, I do I do a lot of work with. Uh, um, with the Hong Kong Sevens and the and the corporate suites in that level, uh, for the last 23 years, been doing mm-hmm. that. But the the I do know some of the feedback that I've had from my corporate clients who have been taken around to the new corporate suites right. that they are offering. Um, 
It wasn't that positive. It wasn't that positive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, mostly, well, it's mostly a construction site, so I guess uh, it's it's. Uh, it well, I, I think it was mostly about prices. It was was the issue that they were they were working at, that they were talking about was you know when you look at at cost factor. So it, it's one of the things that also has affected the. Um, uh, the, the sevens is that as as the the number for that corporate level, mm. as the numbers have gone down and the prices have gone up, it makes the cost per head for corporate hospitality quite expensive. So things like the banks and things like that, they just couldn't do it anymore. Which is why you don't have so many banks at the at the sevens because it became in that you know that in that what they call. Um, uh, you know, kind of the bribery could be considered as bribery level by inviting guests along to that sort of thing. Uh, you know, they have their they have their their corporate compliance that they have to meet, and they have to keep costs below a certain mark. I see. So, so, so the yeah. tuck and pull over the uh, pricing of the corporate suites has started. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And as I hear, I uh, totally rumor um, the pricing for the corporate suites is 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 quite high over there. But you know, that's. That's only that's only what I've heard for the grapevine. All right, Code. Let's hope they're not going to be standing empty at the first event. At the, uh, yeah, this, uh, <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure somebody will step up. <laughs> you made the point that uh, a lot of these world tours by global artists are planned, you know, a long time in advance. I mean, um, do, do you have any thoughts about how long it might be before you know Hong Kong becomes a regular stop on the map? Well, so you know the the whole art of of promotion so so you have you have a few of the the major companies that do it but but in the past it's always been fairly small company individuals that have brought out larger artists to to Hong Kong um, and and it's a big gamble for those small guys because um, you know if if it goes pear shape you know that's that's their house that they're mm. they're putting up to, to 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 back this sort of event um, if the market is there people will start to step up um, as to how long it would take you know I, I don't know like like I say I, I do know that um, you know there's a few few larger companies that are looking at Hong Kong now they're particularly they're looking at the mainland market mm-hmm. um, uh, and you know whether they'll be looking more over the border where they already have those larger venues or whether they would be looking at the Hong Kong that's you know that that so, would be a, a business decision for, for them. Sure. But, so the audience will be Hong Kong and mainland audience. Uh, and as I've pointed out, the, uh, the, we won't have the hotel room capacity in the area. So it really comes down to people coming in for the evening and going back home and whether yeah. that capacity and on the rail is available for them. Well, absolutely. And then, of course, you know, you've always got Macau as well, which has all the hotels and they have the venues already. So, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of competition in the area for that sort of thing. We have but to figure out how we get from the stadium to Macau after the concert is finished. <laughs> the um, uh, one of the things that you know, I, I we've always thought that we're missing here. We we did a um, I used to be part of a, a, I helped found ILEA, the International Live Special Events Association here here in Hong Kong. So around 2010, we were doing a. Um, uh, a, a, a seminar conference, and uh, we were talking about what the problems were that were facing Hong Kong at that time. Uh, and it was venues; it's always been venues. Um, but whereas the larger venues are wonderful, one of the things that I feel is that we're we're particularly missing in Hong Kong is that sweet spot of the kind of 150 to 200 crowd. You know, so so for larger 
you know, a thousand people or, or up. You have the convention centers, you have AWE, and now, you know, for even mega events, we've got the Kitec coming online. But one of the things that we still miss is is really that that kind of, you know, smaller a smaller up close and personal thing, the type type of thing where a lot of business business deals get made. Um, but anyway, we're that, that can I you give us an uh, example? Can we, of, of a hundred fifty two hundred seat crowd space? I mean, we used to have the uh, what's the one at the basement of the uh, Jardine House? Uh, yeah, well, exactly. Uh, uh, Grappa, that, was, exactly. that was Grappa's cellar. Grappa's, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, Grappa's was was perfect. And for kind of like the the type of events that like the underground that like Chris does and stuff, Grappa's was was wonderful. Um, uh, you know, you, you have the wanch now, but the wanch is, you know, the wanch is tiny. I'm not sure how many that is. It's probably less than 50. Um, but there, there, we did also, there was a Lambda Lounge, which unfortunately that, that went, uh, went during COVID. Um, uh, but there is, there, there just isn't any of that sort of size space. Um, you, you have a lot of the warehouse places that kind of are underground places that, that do open up, but those of course are all not. But they're Not tiny. Really. I mean, that's you talk about a hundred people max, uh, or eighty people, or uh... yeah, so yeah, exactly. So even then, you still had, you like had hidden agenda and places like that. But those places all got closed down because they couldn't be licensed because they were in you know industrial spaces, um, you know. But we're we're missing. So you would recommend they're, they're uh, New World, who operates that uh, facility there, and it has basically large commercial areas uh, attached to the stadium. They've got a big shopping mall attached to it. That they dedicate some space for smaller crowd venues to develop a whole uh, uh, yeah, exactly. scene there. And, and like, yeah, exactly. And like Ivan was talking about, where they they originally, I think, in the original plans, they had the the uh, outdoor restaurant areas mm-hmm. and stuff, where where they had live bands and live music playing. And those are, you know smaller, more, more intimate places. And that sort of thing is really helpful if you want to grow the, the local scene. So if you want to encourage arts and you want to encourage, uh, you know, events that are locally grown, um, uh, that's, you know that you, you need those sorts of spaces. Mm, mm, okay. okay. Uh, just just one more thing, uh, Robert, if I may. Uh, okay, we're all excited about the new stadium. I mean, Hong Kong hasn't been totally uh, devoid of concert venues, has it? I mean, I'm, I'm thinking like you know, BTS played at Asia World Expo. Uh, I remember seeing Sting at uh, Coliseum. Um, Elton John uh, played at the Convention Center. So, so <clears throat> what was? Why is it that we've seem to have missed out on a number of uh, international uh, you know uh, performances in recent years yeah like i said it's not you know that's not my 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 niche market yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, okay. but but uh, you know from looking at it from the outside i, I could mm-hmm. say that places like elton john so elton john uh, you know, at his farewell tour concerts, you know, he's playing stadiums. He's playing, you know, oh. uh, 100,000, 100,000 seats. And so at uh, HKCEC, what, you get 1,000 people in the Grand Hall. Um, uh, and I think, as I recall, didn't he run that for a few nights? Mm-hmm. They ran three or four nights, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, I think and, you that's know, right. Yeah. yeah, and if you do three or four nights, <laughs> then obviously that compounds all your costs because you have all of your equipment hire, you have your staffing, you have the venue charges, all of that sort of thing. And then, of course, trying to book places like the CEC, mm. um, you know, that's booked out more than a year in advance. Right, so um, that's your problem. Uh, so, okay. you, you know, and, and suddenly like, oh my gosh, Elton John's coming through. Wait, let's find him a, you know, find him a venue. Can't oh, find there's space. nothing available. Mm. Yeah, we'll go to Macau. Okay. Um, so, so, yeah, I, you know, it's, uh, venues have always, always 
space is a problem in Hong Kong. Okay, we, well, we've we got a good lesson from you here. We need to use sweet spots, uh, larger venues, sort of mid-sized venues. We need those, and uh, we need oh, to meet space for uh, for growing a local industry here, and uh, hopefully uh, uh, New World and uh, the operations and the plans for uh, Kitech Sports Stadium will include that when they consider their shopping mall. All right, fantastic. Mm. Yeah, yeah, very good to talk to you. Thanks very much, uh, Robert Rogers. Uh, who's a certified uh, special events uh, professional and principal of events man and lecturer at uh, Hong Kong U Space uh, Festival and Live Event Production. Hold on, because uh, in just uh, a moment we'll be hearing about Asia's best bar. Oh, have you been there? 95 years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned with Hong Kong. I'm Christine Choi, the Secretary for Education. Congratulations on the 95th anniversary of RTHK and many wishes for its future success. 95 years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned with Hong Kong. And this is kind of appropriate uh, with it being Friday, of course. Uh, <laughs> where are we uh, going to go and have a beer tonight? <laughs> We're, um, we're joined on the line, well, maybe a cocktail, or though, a cocktail. Paul, because uh, we're joined on the line by uh, Jay Khan, who's a co-founder of a Mexican-inspired bar, Coa, and which has just been named uh, Best Bar in Asia for the third consecutive year. This is in the uh, Asia's uh, 50 Best Bars Awards. Uh, 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 Jay, good morning. Hi, good morning, guys. So, Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks very much for joining us. So, so um, the, the congratulations as well, third year in a row. Um, uh, how important is this for you? Well, it means everything to us, to be honest, especially this year since the awards uh, happened here in Hong Kong after the uh, pandemic and everything. I was born here and I grew up here and I've seen how the Hong Kong industry has evolved. So, so you said the awards were in, in Hong Kong. There was an award, an award event here? Yeah. Yes, yeah. so the ceremony uh, for this year's 50 Best Bar was held here in Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was hosted by the uh, Hong Kong Tourism Board? Uh, well, I think the 50 Best, um, they partnered with uh, Hong Kong Tourism Board this year, yes. Yes, yeah, 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 sure. And Jay, why did you win? I mean, how, how come you won? <laughs> Give us the spiel. Um, I, think, I think it's just... Uh, I mean, we've, we've been open for the past six years, and uh, we have, um, you know, for us, you know, when we opened for six years ago, Agave Spirits basically were not really well known here in Hong Kong. And our goal was to make sure that we were able to um, promote Agave Spirits in the right way here in Hong Kong. And uh, we do a lot of um, education uh, workshops and educate our guests. So it's not just about drinking, but also, you know, um, sort of sharing the beautiful spirit with uh, the Hong Kong community here in Hong Kong. Mm. And also, uh, you know, we've been, I think it's all about the details, the small details. We make sure that, you know, the guests who comes to our bar, they have a good time. And when they go back home, you know, they, they can tell their friends. And it's a simple, it's a simple sort of formula for us. You know, we don't do anything um, additional, to be honest. You got a secret entrance on the staircase. Um, uh, what is it? Where is your location? For just for the benefit of the listeners. So we are located on Shinhing Street, which is very near to uh, Aberdeen Street 
in Central. In Central. And you kind of walk down the stairs from yeah. Hollywood Road. Yeah, there's a few stairs mm. to walk down, yes. Mm. Yeah. Um, altogether, there were eight bars uh, from Hong Kong in the top 50, um, and that's a pretty impressive score. I mean, what, what's your sort of assessment of the, the bar scene here generally? I think Hong Kong bar scene is actually very vibrant, and to me, it's one of the best, to be, to be honest, in the world. Uh, it's Hong Kong, to me, it's still underrepresented in the world stage, and I believe with awards like this happening here in Hong Kong, will attract a lot of, um, you know, the judges to come down here and actually uh, experience what we have to offer, and hopefully next year we can do even better. Mm. Uh, and you mentioned also that it's uh, uh, the the award is uh, evidence of the uh, creativity and diversity in the in the scene. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, so I think uh, in Hong Kong we have quite a lot of uh, diverse style of cocktail bars. To be honest, uh, in comparison to ten years ago, uh, today you can find pretty much everything here in Hong Kong, from gin bar to whiskey bar to, of course, tequila bar. We even have sake bar, soju bars. There's everything here in Hong Kong. Um, so I think the bar scene here is actually quite diverse. And there's, I mean, for example, if you want to go to a place where you just want to have simple classic drinks, we have that as well. If you want something that's a bit more adventurous, we have that as well. So we have a bit of everything here in Hong Kong. What's your best drink? <laughs> I think drinks are very subjective, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> normally, our guests, when they come to our bar, they usually ask us, like, so what do you recommend? So we, we basically, you know, uh, ask a few questions, like, you know, what are their preferences? To be honest, like, everybody, they have uh, different likes and dislikes. So based on their preferences, we make a uh, proper suggestion for them. All right. Well, as a, as a regular visitor of Mexico, my mezcal taste is, uh, uh, is developed. So um, you have a good – which brands are you having there? Which mezcals are you serving? Uh, we have quite a lot uh -huh. um, from uh, – uh, we, we have Montelobos, uh, we have uh, El Holgorio, uh, we have uh, Los Panzantes. We have, uh, we have everything. We have actually quite a lot, to be honest. And the, and the list changes all the time because in Hong Kong it's not very easy to gather mezcal. Mm -hmm. So, so our 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 list is pretty. You know, uh, every time when you come back in a month or two months, there is always something new at the bar. And how about the music in uh, in your bar? You can play the best Mexican music out there. <laughs> uh, so the music changes throughout the night. So we uh -huh. start with something uh, classic Latin uh, Latin music, and then it sort of evolved into uh, modern mariachi, and then Mexican hip hop, and then a bit of reggaeton. And then towards the end, it goes back to something like bachata, something uh, something a little bit mild. And is there space to move and space to dance, or is it a real um, eating and drinking? I mean, if people want to dance, they can, but uh, it's mostly sit down, uh, very chill, and uh, just to sort of have a good chat with a friend and enjoy the drinks. And why did you stand out from all the other bars in Hong Kong already for three years uh -huh. in a row? What uh, makes yours the best? We, we, we have... We have quite a big support from, I would say, the industry people. I think when we first opened in Hong Kong, we were one of the first bars that was not really part of any big company. So we were very, we were an independent company, to be honest. And what we were doing was actually, um, um, I mean, if you've been to Koa, it, six years ago, it was just a very simple looking space. It was nothing there. It was, and I think it's about the passion and, uh, you know, the, the hard work that everybody puts into the project. I think that is probably what makes it stand out. Okay. You've you got two places now? Or you, how many bars are you running now under your... Uh... We, we have we have three. Uh, one, mm -hmm. a Koa Hong Kong. We have a Koa Shanghai. Uh -huh. 
And we just opened a new one uh, in Hong Kong called the Savvy Project. So that opened like a month and a half ago. So what's your dream? To grow this network in Asia or your dream is to grow it in Hong Kong? What is your uh, what, is it, what are you aspiring to? I think six, six years ago when I first opened Koa, I actually didn't have any experience prior. Like that was my first baby. And I had support from a few people, a few of my friends that are my partners right now. And uh, they actually helped me financially to open this bar. And I think moving forward, even the Savior Project is basically a project that we opened for one of our staff. He's actually now our partner. And moving forward, we want to work with, you know, people who are like-minded, uh, you know, they are talented, and we hopefully can open a bar for them. It's, it's quite encouraging to hear that uh, that Hong Kong had eight bars in the top 50, especially, uh, you know, after all the disruption that uh, we went through because of the pandemic. Uh, um, is, is the, you know, are the bars um, fully recovered yet? Or, I mean, a lot of places say they're, they're you know, they have shortage of staff and, uh, and they're, you know, struggling a bit to get back to where they were. How, how are things looking? Uh, yes, yeah, so short, shortage of staff is actually not just here in Hong Kong. It's pretty much everywhere. Like all my friends living abroad, they tell me the same thing. I think it's just that we have too many bars and restaurants opening at the same time, and we only have that many people that, that are working in F&B. So that's the problem. Um, so normally at COA, what we do is uh, we try and hire people that are new, and, uh, and then we train them. No, that's the best way to basically uh, what, what we've been doing the past few years, actually. Mm. And, and that area around where you are, I'm, I'm thinking of uh, Elgin Street in particular, that seemed to uh, suffer a, a great deal. Of, you know, you look at the number of places that, that, that were closed there um, um, during the past three years. Uh, is there any signs that that's coming back to life at all? Uh, I think so, yeah. I think uh, right after the restrictions were lifted, I think Hong Kong bounced back pretty quickly. Mm. As far as I know, the people that I know, uh, the bars that they own, I think they're doing pretty well right now. Mm. Mm. Good. And and uh, and the restaurant business? Uh, I would say it's the same. Mm. Bar and restaurant both. Mm. I think people are mm. just going out now. They're dining, they're drinking. Mm. I think they'll be probably missing that for a long time. Mm. And of course, we just had another round of consumption vouchers as well. So uh, uh, is yeah. that helping? <laughs> yes, I think so. Um, yeah, yeah, I think so. To what extent is PMQ uh, contributing to the excitement of that area where, you, where you're located? I mean, you're, you're just below the, P, the PMQ area. Uh, and I know there's a lot of small places out there, uh, some more traditional, but also very new restaurants and bars. Uh, it, it's, it's a mixed scene there. It's, it's, it's the kind of like a, new, a good growth area. And is PMQ helping you guys getting an audience? Uh, I don't think our audience comes from PMQ, to uh-huh. be honest. Um, I think uh, most most has to do with the six years that we've been open, that we've built a network uh, community. Right. Uh, and also because um, I think we are actually, I've heard that we're actually popular on the Red Book, the Chinese app. And we do get a lot of tourists coming as well. So I think it has nothing to do with Timothy. Great. Okay, okay all right. Well, so, sorry, we'll have, we'll have to end we're it there because we're out, we're out of go time. Out sorry about that. Have a beer. Yes, or, yes, or, yes. Or a mezcal. Thank you very much uh, for speaking to us. Uh, so, yeah, that was Jay Khan, co-founder of the Bar Coa. It's just been named uh, Best Bar in Asia for the third consecutive year. Um, thanks to our listeners. Uh, and thanks very much to you, Paul. Yeah, most um, good well, one. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look forward to my drink tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. TGI Friday. <laughs> uh, we'll see you next time. Okay, a new summary uh, coming up, followed by uh, Brunch with Noreen.